0: Then you will truly be success Turn page. And we know all things work together for the good Gotta work together The good Gotta work together oh. And we know all things work together for the good got work together The good to those who love God He has word on your lips Jesus was on your lips. to those who are called on oh. day and night. according to he his purpose, purpose. It's his purpose not mine
2: The
3: letter to the Hebrews The author of this letter is anonymous, and people have wondered for a long time whether Paul wrote it or maybe one of his co-workers like Barnabas or Apollos, but really we just don't know. In chapter 2, we discover that the author had a first-hand relationship with the disciples who were themselves around Jesus, so we know that this letter is anchored in the teaching of the apostles. We also don't know who the audience of this letter was, or even where they lived. The author knows them really well, and he assumes that they have a thorough knowledge of the Old Testament scriptures, especially the storyline of the first five books of the Bible, the Torah. About how Abraham's family became the nation of Israel. About how Moses led them out of slavery in Egypt to Mount Sinai where they received the Torah and they made a covenant with God. Where they built the tabernacle where the priests offered sacrifices. And also about how they wandered through the wilderness on their way to the promised land. The author just expects that the readers know all of the details about these stories. And so most likely the audience is made up of Jewish Christians That's where the name of the letter comes from. We also have clues from chapter 10 that this church community was facing persecution and even imprisonment because of their association with Jesus. Some in the community were walking away from Jesus and abandoning the faith altogether. And this explains the purpose and the structure of this letter. First there is a short introduction which is followed by four sections where the author compares and contrasts Jesus with key people and events from Israel's history. Jesus is first compared with angels in the Torah second with Moses and the promised land, third with priests and Melchizedek, and lastly with the sacrifices and the covenant. And the author has two main goals in all of these contrasts. The first goal is to elevate Jesus as superior to anyone or anything else, showing that Jesus is worthy of all their trust and devotion. But his second goal is this, it's to challenge the readers to remain faithful to Jesus despite persecution. So in every section he includes a strong warning not to abandon Jesus. So let's dive in now and see how this all unfolds. The elevation of Jesus begins in the opening sentence of the introduction. In the past God spoke to our ancestors in many different ways. But in these last days he has spoken to us in his son. So the author saying that Jesus is superior to all of the previous ways that God has revealed himself to Israel. He then makes this astounding claim that Jesus is the radiance of God's glory and the exact imprint of God's nature. These metaphors are making the closest possible identification between Jesus and God. So Jesus is what the rays of light are to the sun. Or Jesus is what the wax impression is to the signet ring. For this author, there is no God apart from Jesus. Jesus is God become human as the son. And it's this elevated view of Jesus that's then explored throughout the rest of the letter.
1: Hebrews chapter one. After God spoke long ago in various portions and in various ways to our ancestors through the prophets, in these last days, he has spoken to us in a son whom he appointed heir of all things, and through whom he created the world. The sun is the radiance of his glory and the representation of his essence, and he sustains all things by his powerful word. And so when he had accomplished cleansing for sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high. Thus he became so far better than the angels, as he has inherited a name superior to theirs. I'm gonna read the first few words of this chapter again. After God spoke long ago in various portions and in various ways to our ancestors through the prophets, in these last days, he has spoken to us in a son. Here's the big introduction this author gives us. He says, in the past, God spoke to people in various ways. In the Old Testament, the people of God heard from God through the prophets. People were reliant on those messengers to receive revelation from God. But now, in these last days, things are different. The last days is a term to uh, it's a it's a term, kind of a technical term that specifically refers to a period of time, and it's the period of time after Jesus initially ascended to the period when he descends again, where he comes back. This is the era that we're in now. It doesn't necessarily mean that the author expected Jesus to come back that week or something like that, uh, but the last days was the term he used to refer to that era. So in our era, things are different from back in the days of the prophets. We don't have to wait for God to speak through prophets. Today, we have the most wonderful communication directly from God, a way of speaking that people in the Old Testament could have only dreamt of, today, today we have Jesus. And He is God Himself who has come to earth and revealed Himself to us. So as as we have just recently read the Gospel of Matthew and before that the Gospel of Mark, we see stories of God Himself in Jesus. We learn the character of God and we learn to love him. Jesus is the source and the subject of our faith. So to recap the main point, I want us to consider this. I want us to get this from the intro. In the Old Testament, God spoke through the prophets, but now he speaks through Jesus. Which leaves me thinking, if God is speaking today through Jesus, What does it look like for us to listen to God?
4: It's day 79 of our 90-day challenge. Write this down. That was then. This is now. Look at Hebrews, the first chapter, the first verse. In the past, God spoke to our ancestors through the prophets at many times and in various ways. But in these last days, he has spoken to us by his son, whom he appointed heir of all things and through whom... Also, he made the universe I know that the original intent of these words was to really uplift the superiority and the supremacy of Jesus Christ our Savior to delineate the law from the Lord to say that Jesus is the fulfillment of the law but on another level I think that we are missing a key and critical component that relates to purpose here and here is the takeaway stop living with a blockbuster mentality in a Netflix generation. That was then. This is now. You've got to learn how to pivot with the times and hit the refresh button. If not, like Blockbuster, you'll be bankrupt. And you have too many great ideas to only serve one group of people. I've learned now the importance of being around young old and everything in between because if it weren't for younger people i wouldn't know what to do with tiktok social media snapchat highlight reels etc but if it wasn't for the older saints the older elders the wisdom sages of our time i wouldn't appreciate the power of a book and the beauty of turning the pages or a computer or a typewriter all of these things are important but do not get so stuck on the system that you liked, that you become extinct. That was then, this is now. Let's get to work.
1: We used to
2: hide from the light. We made friends with the night. We were headed the wrong way on a one-way track Going nowhere fast We got used to the dark We thought, this is who we are And we figured that we were just too far gone But we were right i uh-huh.